Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. This is Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, and you know what you're listening to. You already heard the intro. They listened to a whole intro. Thing. All right, that's Marcus. I am Ben. We got Ed Larson with us today. As a Hello, guest. Ben. Hello, Ed. Thank thanks you. For, for, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. No Ed. problem. All right. So Ed, uh, he co-wrote. Glad I could do you the favor. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for doing it. He wrote and produced Jeff Ross's new special where Jeff Ross goes and roasts uh, police officers. I believe it's called Jeff Roast the Police. Jeff Ross Roast Cops. Jeff Ross Roast Cops. It September rolls right 10th. Check it out, September 10th on Comedy Central. 11 p.m. and then again at 12. And then you also wrote... Uh, Only four- two commercial breaks. That's amazing. And we actually watched the rough cut of it uh, the other night. It looks incredible. Both sides are going to be a bit a bit upset, but everyone is going to get a great laugh because it's a perfectly put-together piece about the police. And, of course, you talk about uh, the, the killing of unarmed uh, people. It's up to 150 now for the year 2016 alone. Well, from and- the beginning of 2015. And... Um, we also, and of course, you do talk about the Black Lives Matters movement and things like that. It's a it's a very in depth um, uh, piece about the police. It takes place in Boston. That's the Boston PD. We're the ones that allowed access, and we're going to talk a lot about your experience working on that show because I know there was more drama than NYPD Blue could even script. Um, NYPD I think Blue you covered it actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you also worked. Uh, you wrote jokes for Jeff Ross for the Comedy Central roast of Rob Lowe. Yeah, went uh, out with them every night, trying out the jokes. Lots of fun yeah great time we did it for bieber too it's great we put up pictures at jeff's house in his backyard because we always just like have pool meetings which is delightful way to live your life it's such a great job pool meetings yeah we'd have pool meetings you oh, know we'd order even... a bunch of israeli chicken and we fucking Ugh. chill out and i'd have like i'd thumbtack pictures of uh all the roasters to the wall and we'd like go around making fun of what they look like the yeah. closest thing we have at fox news is if we all meet in the bathroom and flush toilets and talk now nah, here uh, that's Kate. what you have to do to you know stop the bugs yeah, that's true. Yeah, here at Cave Comedy Radio, we have cellar gatherings. Isn't that uh, exciting? I like those, too. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about the culture of roasts, if this is the best time for roasts in this country, and we'll get into that. But first, I want to discuss uh, with you the the woman of the hour, the Rob Lowe roast. Of course, that woman is Ann Coulter. I've met Ann multiple times. I met her, actually, as a matter of fact, the other day she was doing Alan Combs' radio show at Fox News, so I went and I, I said hello, and uh, you know I looked into her eyes, and I, I 
actually lost 10 pounds, which is kind of nice. She's a great diet system. Really? Because most people just turn to stone. Yeah, no, I was, I was better than that. She didn't have enough power to to uh, to to, uh, to change my uh, my metabolics like that. Um, so when it comes to uh, Ann Coulter and the roast, now she got a lot of flack on social media. Everyone seemed to attack her. Jimmy Carr, he's a famous comedian. What is he out of the UK, Marcus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's just said, you should go die, all these things. He called her a hatchet face. Cunt, I think. Oh, I see. Yeah, and not exactly her, appropriate. They told her to kill herself. Yes, yeah. and of course, if you would say those things to someone who might be a more liberal-leaning woman, they would be bastardized and destroyed. But of course, conservative women are allowed to be destroyed, and uh, and and you know, you're allowed to say whatever you want to say to them because, because they are the you know outside things. of the uh, protective guise of the uh, the protective eyes of the majority of feminists in the country. When it comes to Ann Coulter, tell us a little bit about that. Did she just go in completely not prepared? Apparently, she claims she'd never seen a before and so she didn't know what she was going in for and so uh then you know they told her to watch the roast and then uh, she came in and i guess she was uh, very unprepared didn't really take any jokes from the writers or yeah or just bastardize the versions that they gave her from mm-hmm. what i heard and you know then she just uh she couldn't take a joke the uh the the thing with her is like if she would have just in my personal opinion I was sitting in the audience, and I was just like, they kept putting the camera on her. Whenever people make fun of her, she just sit there with a big fucking puss on her face. And with if, a puss on her face? Yeah, it's an expression, Ben. Oh, I and see. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like those. And then, you know, it's to me, it's like, if you want to, like, if she could have really, she managed the whole thing wrong, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. She could have came out on top. She could have been a fun personality if right. she would have had fun and, like, welcomed the hate, you know, like, Ric flared it up. Of course. You know, and, like, really just enjoyed basking as the bad guy right. and like going is like yeah I do fucking want to you know defund schools and I do want to you know you just like go in and like fucking you know and, and talk about what she really believes in instead of right and then she just she didn't do that well all she I know complained about- and then just re- literally brought her book up to the podium with her right and said this is the only reason I'm here this is my book I don't know if it was a joke or not but it was I fucking don't think- aggravating did anybody you know? laugh no, she got booed. Well, then it wasn't a joke. Yes, yeah. obviously she has to, uh, you know, embrace her enemy status. Wouldn't you say, Marcus, that would be the good approach for her to have? Yeah, she's got to be the heel, like she, you said. Exactly. It would have been hilarious if she did that, but she played the whole thing wrong. If she would have just not pretended like she wasn't offended and just enjoyed it and just, like, laughed when everyone made fun of her, it would have been great. But also, if people, like, didn't really attack her for her policies as much as they attacked her just for being ugly. I and see. freaky looking and shit. Yeah, of course. I mean, she's the woman on the panel that you're allowed to say everything sexist that you want to say to because, you know, she is, again, um, completely unprotected by the powers that be. Um, she is also a person who only talks about her home in the Hamptons. That's the only thing I've ever had a conversation with her about. She doesn't care about many of the issues she pretends to care about. She's only, you know, she's very isolated and, uh, and lives in a bubble world. Learned- and she doesn't understand the hateful rhetoric that she spews on a regular basis actually manifests itself in the, it manifests itself in in the real lives of many of the people that buy her books, and of course the individuals who are then abused or uh, you know um, you know considered lesser than um, you know by proxy. I was uh, researching her, and it, like turns out she's a big uh, jam band fan. She likes uh, the Fish, Grateful Dead, and sure. Dave Matthews Band. 
you know. But that's uh, weird. Yeah, but one of the things we do know about her is that she hates blacks, Jews, and Muslims. <laughs> oh, it's interesting. <laughs> that's a good point. We're going with Ann Coulter. First of all, she was sort of uh, you know um, roasted in her own right by Donald Trump himself. Mm-hmm. She wrote the book. What is it? Trump's America or something? Yeah, I'm with Trump or I'm some with bullshit, something. Yeah. Some yeah, ridiculous yeah, 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 yeah. thing. And of course, the one the one thing she loves about Donald Trump is his immigration policy, which is totally unfounded mm-hmm. in any sort of reality. Yeah, in Trump we trust. In Trump we trust, which is insane. Um, She's you know, calling him God. Basically, and he considers himself to be such. Um, mm, oh, yeah. Donald Trump isn't a politician. He's a one-man wrecking ball against our dysfunctional and corrupt establishment. We're about to see the deluxe version of the less favorite theme. Vote for us or we'll call you stupid. Oh, my it's goodness. It's the working class. Versus the smirking class. Right. And what is she, the smirking or the working? She's the working. She's the working. I can tell well, you firsthand well, she is not working well, class. Well, she's smirking at the smirking on behalf of the working. Oh, I understand. That's good. She's a total fraud, and no one should listen to anything that she says. Yeah, well, they but, wanted to get somebody political, and no, they, they got her like a couple days before the roast. Too. I mean, I think she's perfect for it. Yeah. You know, Again, if she was able to play and roll around with it and understand that she's going to be the punchline to a whole series of very crude jokes, you know. You know, and then if she went on stage and absolutely killed, I think uh, the whole story would be a much different than it is right now, where it makes it look like she's weak and can't take a joke. And the irony is all she does is theoretically joke and mock and destroy people, um, you know, for I don't whatever know if she it might jokes. Be. I mean, I watched a couple of her interviews. She just seems like mean. Well, I think a lot of people, you know, it was interesting. My parents used to love Rush Limbaugh, and I was like, Mom, why do you listen to Rush Limbaugh? And she just thought he was hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the only reason why. I mean, and he is a charming, charismatic person. You don't have the most successful radio show for nearly three decades without those attributes. But there is no denying that there's a mean spiritedness to it, and there's certainly a, uh, a level of intent that's very serious. Yeah. Um, and, and I think Anne sort of falls into that similar gray area of, like, sometimes she says such offensive things that you have to laugh because you can't even digest it as a real thought because if you did you would have no more faith in humanity yeah um but with uh you know donald trump and ann coulter she wrote the book and then as soon as she wrote the book that day uh trump had his softening on immigration which he is now hardened again oh yeah um because it's all rhetoric and all nonsense and he yeah she said she wasn't going to support him anymore if he kept this up which you know she should she should have thought of that before she uh dedicated much of her you know at least multiple months to write in that ridiculous book. It's because uh, there's no Mexicans in the Hamptons. Not at all. I mean, not in, well, they build all the buildings and then they leave and then the whites come and they pretend like, you know, it just cre- was created overnight. Yeah, this is a, a really, this is a, an example of what actually goes on in her book. She has a whole chapter about Trump imitating the disabled person. The, mm-hmm. Doing yeah, the, the, you know, the, the journalist. Yeah, yes. the journalist doing the, the little uh, handshake. Yeah. And they say this whole thing is a lie. Because mm-hmm. in that same speech, Trump does the same like thing two more times. Oh, that's because huh. he knows he gets a laugh. <laughs> that's what he, he does. does. Fucking- he does it once in reference to a general and another time in reference to Ted Cruz. So that was just his day. He was just doing the oh, yeah, yeah, he was uh, doing a retard thing all day. <laughs> right. I don't think you can say like, that yeah, word. It's a 10 year old. I mean, that's what he was doing. Yeah, that's what he was doing. He was doing the 10 year old. Yeah, you know, it's like a 10 year old gets a laugh on something that's uncomfortable. They do it to death and he's got the same fucking mentality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of kids think Stephen Hawkins is hilarious. I bet he is uh, kind of funny. I'm sure that he is. <laughs> It just takes a while to get to the joke, but uh, yeah, without a doubt. But going back with Trump and with Ann Coulter, I want to talk about the culture of roast that we have. I mean, everywhere we look, Marcus, it seems like every single comedy show is a roast. True TV has comedy TKO, hosted by our great friend Damian Lemon, who has been on Roundtable of Gentlemen, and he's a wonderful man and, he deser- and deserves. It's not really a roast gets. show, though. 
Uh, and then uh, you it's know, more like at midnight than a roast show. At the comedy clubs, they have their roast battles on a, on a almost. It seems like every other night there's a new roast battle happening. When we have Donald Trump it's and Hillary one a Clinton to stand every Tuesday at the comedy store in L.A. Uh, when we have Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton running for the presidency, it feels like our nation is being roasted every single day by the two worst candidates that we've ever seen for, uh, you know, up for election in order to fill the White House. So when it comes to roast, do you think this is a good time or a bad time? A lot of people feel out of work or they are out of work. The overall attitude of the nation is relatively uh, sour and sad. You know, people aren't really proud of the country right now, both on the right and the left. Is this the best time to be in the roast business or is this a time where the roasts are under more? pressure than ever before to uh you know not go too far and to make people and to the point where they make people feel worse for their situation as opposed to better i mean roasts are always going to be great you got to call out the bullshit and what better place to do it is in a national like public forum like that you call out what's going on in america what's wrong with what's going on right you know you might not you might the joke might fall on seth green's head when you're talking about uh, Jerry Sandusky, but you know, mm. like at the same time, it's exposing to a much larger, younger audience these crazy things that are happening in the world. So they'll go and look it up. They'll realize that Bill Cosby's a scumbag just because of a couple jokes they heard. Right. You know. So and it's good. It's good that the world knows, to my opinion, that Ann Coulter is a beast from hell. Do you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think she she makes a pretty she does a pretty good job of making sure that we know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if yeah. you just read her Twitter feed. Oh yeah, but it was good to have her on because we needed someone political. I I, I yeah. mean the roast. I mean I'm talking like I'm, I'm a producer or something. But uh, well, the uh, the uh, you know they needed someone who was very political because you know Rob Lowe's a very political guy, right? And, and of so, course he's a little bit more left than Ann Coulter, I would assume. Yeah, he went, remember the his whole thing with the sex tape is when he did it when he was on tour with Dukakis. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he had the sex tape happened in Atlanta, like while they but were. But the sex tape wasn't with Dukakis, was no, it? No, 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 no. But he certainly Dukakied all over her. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it to you, Eddie. You just got to end any sentence with a come on. That's, that's the Jeb version of please clap. That's the comedy version of please clap. And I would clap and I will say, you got to laugh. Come on. Come on. Why not? That kind of joke so, only works on certain shows, you but, know? Yeah, of course. But with, but with Jeff, I mean, Jeff has branded himself. He is the roast master general. He is the best in the business at doing the roast. Absolutely. Has he found across the country that people are more willing to laugh now than previously before because we are in dire straits? Or is he had any blowback from people being like, our lives are miserable right now. I don't want I don't want to hear insults. Ah, man, what are you talking about? First of all, I don't feel like we're in dire straits, you know, as a country. You know, that's that's your opinion, not mine. And the uh, and the other thing is, it's like, of course, you always need to make fun of people. If we're not making fun of people, we're all going to get soft. And you can't have people like, you know, being soft. I mean, that's what New York, you know, that's what makes it New York great is the fact that we always fuck with each other. You know, and once you start taking right. that away, then, you know, then comedy gets soft. And then once comedy gets soft, then movies are going to start getting soft and music's going to get soft. And then we're going to fucking go back to the 90s. And oh, I love that Lisa Loeb. I thought she was edgy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, we don't need any more Paula Coles. Oh, you know, anymore what? Paula Cole. Where have all the cowboys gone? Oh, I love that. And where have they gone? They're, they're gone. at the bar. They're drunk at the bar. They're Jewish now, too. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Is that what happened to them? Roasts no. are great for society. They yeah. help call out the bullshit. And right. forever, it would just be, you know, if we don't have roasts, then when are you going to do it? Sure. So it just has to go on throughout, uh, you know. Throughout. I mean, it's one of the oldest forms of comedy. They've been doing roasts ever since the 1800s. Right, right. I mean, and the reason that I say that I don't think this country is necessarily doing great is because we have less upward mobility than ever before. The middle class is completely shrunk, which was, which is why we have, you know, Occupy Wall Street, the Tea Party, mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter. It's these groups that are really 
uh, completely disenfranchised and the and the upper class are no longer buffered from a large middle class, which was theoretically there to preserve the upper class's state safety. Right. I mean, now that the middle class has shrunk to such a small, uh, it's so much smaller than it used to be. It was never the middle class was an American invention. Yeah. And the whole point was to make sure the elitists had a buffer between the poor. And now that the middle class has been so eroded, uh, that's where we're starting to see such unbelievable activist movements come up. And they're really making um, and, they're, and they're really getting their voice across because there is no longer the buffer middle class. The middle class has been eroded to a point where now they have to take to the streets and demand upward mobility, demand their jobs back. The automation in this country that we're going to be seeing is is going to be absolutely horrific. You know, we have 40 million people on welfare. We have the largest prison and industrial complex on the face of the planet. We have so many issues happening in this nation. So that's why I don't think we're doing as well as people pretend. We're, we have we have bottled water that's very good. We always have, a, 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 you know, we have a hopefully a taco, uh, you know, truck on every corner. Um, that would be gr- th- those are good things. There are yeah. a lot of good things. But at the same time, I think the, the core of this nation has really been gutted. I will definitely agree with you that the fact that the rich are just bleeding the poor and it's fucking disgusting to watch. It's awful. And of course, you're working on a documentary about your mother, which I think is going to be perfect about how the society, about how the culture has, has basically killed her. Yes. Um, but so that's why I say that. So but with Ann Coulter, with Rose, um, do you think that the do you get more flack from the left or the right when it comes to political correctness, which is a bit of a cliche? I wrote an article for Heat Street about Gene Wilder and how none of his characters uh, would really get made today, such as in See No Evil, Hear No Evil, where he plays a disabled person uh, who is deaf. That would be like. There would be so many articles written about how that was, you know, co-opting a disability. He would be considered, he would be labeled an ableist. I mean, it would be insane. Do you find you're getting more blowback from the left or the right when it comes to these roasts? Don't really get any blowback at all. No blowback whatsoever. I mean, a little bit. Some people will be upset, random Twitter person here or there. But for the most part, people are like, no, this is fun. It's a fun little thing we did. Right. You know, everyone has a good time. And that's the whole point of it. It's just like to remind people we can make fun of each other. We can enjoy each other's company and fuck around. And, you know, it, 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 sensitivity is a problem. You know, yeah. and it's a major problem in this country. And that's why Trump's doing so well. It's because everyone's fucking sick of this sensitive bullshit. Right. And, of you course, know, he's taking the, it to another level. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's a complete and total opposite. He's not. He is a, a hmm. symptom of the sensitivity disease. He is so ridiculously oh, sensitive. Yeah. And his supporters are so ridiculously sensitive. Mm-hmm. They're sensitive. They're just sensitive on the right and not on the left. These are people who can't take jack shit. I mean, anytime anybody mm-hmm. says anything about Trump, he loses his fucking mind. Yeah. yeah. You know, and anytime these people, anytime these people get any sort of insult whatsoever, any, anytime they get one tiny little thing taken away from them, they lose their fucking mind. Well, and of course, Hillary I mean, will just kill them. Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean that's the that's the irony is that you know out of the two, Hillary's actually the tougher oh, one. She's stone yeah. cold. Yeah, she's stone. She's a hog. Yeah, she's stone cold. But no, I I think. You but know, his I, supporters, I, though, that's all they talk about yeah. is like you know, oh, I'm sick of all this, you know, like passive aggressive fucking bullshit. Yeah, but they, they are just they get upset easily. Yeah, but they, they, also, they just everyone just gets upset so easily. Well, I mean, it, you're it, right; it's a sensitivity problem, but it's yeah. not. You know, it's just everybody is being sensitive about everything. And of course, yeah. you have the populist message of Trump going back to what I was talking about when it comes to NAFTA, TPP, when it comes to the shrinking of the middle class. It's those programs that people look at that then they blame those programs. And rightfully so. TPP is horrific. Passed under the day, the same day the gay marriage was passed. The Congress, which previously uh, did not pass it because their constituents were engaged. Their constituents were celebrating a great victory for this country, gay marriage. Uh, but when they passed TPP that evening, NAFTA is absolutely awful. So when he talks talks about those um, economic problems, the, those trade deals, which we are getting completely screwed over on. That's where he also reaches a lot of individuals. But of course, I completely agree. And this is me Trump explaining. And I wish he was. I really do wish he was good. 
I wish he was not such a fucking prudent, an insane flippant moron. Yeah. Because yeah. some of his policies I actually agree with. But when it comes to... Um, but when, he did the same thing as Coulter when he had his roast. He just sat there not smiling, you know, and, and like in both times Jeff had to go up to Coulter and he had to go up to Trump and be like, hey, you know, you're going to have to laugh at some of these. We're going to have nothing to cut to and you're going to look like an asshole. Right, right, right. You know, so you better start enjoying yourself or this is going to end bad for you. Oh, completely. I mean, the guy is just as thin-skinned as Marcus paints him out to be, and you're totally right. Yeah. I mean, it's awful. You can see through the man. He's a jealous. He's a he's a jellyfish. When they because he had to approve all the jokes on the roast that he did, and so like basically he like all the stuff about him fucking his daughter. He was like, no problem, no problem. Check, check, check. Oh, it's hot stuff. Yeah, but, but for him. Like, there was one joke. Of what I hear of Legend, I can't remember who exactly is involved in this. I know Jeff isn't, but it was like from Legend because I know a bunch of the writers. Is that they wrote a joke and it was just like. Uh, Donald Trump and something about he's worth two million dollars, blah 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 blah. And he's like, and then he wrote back and he's like, this is good, make it ten million. And then they're like, ah, oh, we'll make it four. And he's like, eight. And they're like, five. And he's yeah. like, okay, good. <laughs> we're gonna have uh, next week. We're gonna have our good friend Travis Irvine on, and he has a uh, inside source that says Donald Trump is worth roughly one hundred and fifty million bucks, and that's about it. Yeah. Um. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Um. But going back, let's let's talk a little bit about the police roast. Absolutely. Um. So what did you learn? From being embedded like uh, like Lisa Ling from CNN, you were embedded with the Boston Police Department. Of course, Boston is sort of a, a notorious city when it comes to organized crime, when it comes to systemic uh, systemic racism. Uh, it certainly was never a police department that was known for being the best to blacks. You know, I mean, it was definitely um, sort of it's kind of iconically considered um Racist, yeah. um, and Boston in general. So why, first of all, did Boston allow you to go in and roast their police? Because I know you reached out to many precincts all around the country. Why do you think like Boston was the one that said yes? Police departments, I think, and uh, Boston was the one, only one that said yes. We almost got New York, but then all the all the French stuff started happening, and they were just too worried about terrorist shit. And they're like, "This is too right. much for us." To the deal attacks with. in Nice and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but the uh, with the Boston PD, they let us in because they're actually their police force. Does it right, kind of. They haven't In killed. Sense? They haven't killed an unarmed person since 1991. Wow! Congratulations. Yeah. Well, that's a great thing. It is great. It is. A, you know. And then so. And they also they do. They're big founders in community policing, and they they have the the marijuana laws they got rid of, and you know, they mm -hmm. they can't they can't even search someone if they smell marijuana. You know, right. they, like, and if they do catch you with pot, it's only a hundred dollar ticket. And uh, and then ever since they decriminalized pot, uh, drug arrests have gone down eighty seven percent in Boston, which is a great fucking thing. Awesome. I mean, because they're putting less people in jail. Mm -hmm. And they and they Boston is a big. Uh, they do community policing more right. than uh, more than most places. And explain now, because you went on the you went on the ride alongs. Explain what community policing looks like, as opposed to a stop and frisk policy that we've had under Bill Bratton and and, uh, and Ray Kelly um, here in New York City. I mean, the, explain what community policing looks like in in actuality, and do the police actually enjoy doing outreach more than arrest well it's not really they're they're forced to get out of their car and talk to people more in boston and not necessarily arrest people just kind of meet everyone that's in the community and they all live where they patrol oh okay and so they yeah. know that if that's crazy joe coming down the street with a knife that 
don't shoot him. It's crazy, Joe. We can get that knife out of his hand. It's no big deal. You know, like, you know, but he's making a sandwich. But in but in Chicago, if they see Crazy Joe with a knife, they just shoot him dead because they live fucking three towns away and they don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. You know, and they don't know any better. But they know these people. They know the prostitutes personally. Mm. They're like, oh, this is you know, what's her name? This is you know, she's a funny one. Let's go talk to her. Mm -hmm. You know, like it was you know, they know everyone personally, and so Mm -hmm. that's a that helps them when they're making their decision to arrest someone because they're not just going to arrest you. They give more people. Uh, they have better discretion in Boston than I've seen in most places. Well, it seems like when you live in the community, then you can humanize, right? Mm-hmm. And when you can humanize, you don't kill. You don't kill someone you know. Yeah, Although, yeah. Marcus, you're on my list. Well, as someone who would kill someone that I know or that you would kill? That I would, yeah. I, either way, just stay off Ben's list. I know <laughs> Whatever that. it is. Even if it's like Christmas present list. Oh, it's you don't want it. Great. Yeah, it's just going to be a fucking pepperoni pizza or something. Oh, that would be great. Then he's going to eat like three quarters of it. Well, you're on the list anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the list now, my man. Um, so but yeah, no, Boston's a great would, but, town for that. I had no idea. I thought yeah. it was a racist place, too. When sure. Boston said yes, I was like, what the fuck? And yeah. then you start studying. You're like, holy shit. These guys aren't fucking up. Like, yeah. let's, Of course, they'll probably fuck up like the day the special comes out. You know, but I'm like, sure. <laughs> but, well. uh, but they have a great track record, and they, and they really strive to not put people in jail, and it's pretty impressive. So when you were making this, uh, you know, it's really a documentary that has jokes in it. You yeah. know, it's, it's, a, it's a great documentary. And we went when, back and did a show for cops with kids with cancer benefit and all this stuff. When you were making the documentary... Um, what were some of the hesitations? Because obviously, I mean, we are in a really polarized time right now. Cops versus the people. The militarization of the police, of course, which happened with the 1033 yeah. program that Hillary Clinton pushed so for, uh, pushed forth uh, as an extension of the crime bill, the 1994 crime bill. The 1033 program, which led to the uh, mass militarization of our cops. Um, people are more upset than ever with the police. It seems like we are in a nation of constant surveillance. Baltimore just launched a drone. We have found out that they are just... We're, they are just monitoring uh, areas of Baltimore. Um, you know, I mean, it, it is it is 1984 come to life, and we, we are living in it. We are living in an Orwellian hell uh, in many ways. What were some of your hesitations going in and roasting the police? Because obviously, like you always say, roast you out of love. So yeah. were, you, were you worried about um, being seen as too pro-cop, or were you worried about being seen as too anti-cop? Both. I mean, how do you balance this? Well, I mean... What's, what's your writer's room like? No matter... Well, the writer's room is just me and Jeff in his apartment and then occasionally we have people help us for a day or two you know that's what the writer's room was like but uh it was just we were scared on both sides and i and i know that both sides like extremists are going to get mad on both sides for this project it's inevitable to me i think we're going to piss people off you know and it just and the thing is but was there anything that you said that went too far and the cops were like you cannot say that to us you must edit it out I mean, they asked and we fought back and we got some jokes in there that they wanted out. And so we were able to keep some stuff. And, and you know, we didn't want to piss them off either. We wanted the the goal of it is to bring right. the cops and the community together. This isn't we weren't trying to expose anybody per se. It's just like we're trying to open a conversation to where people can start trusting the police again. And like right. a lot, you know, black people say, you know, we never trust them in the first place. And I believe you because the shit I fucking learned this year is depressing. What are some of the things that you've learned? I mean, Detroit's the worst place in the world. And they've just been killing people fucking for, you know, since the 70s. Yeah. They used to have this task, uh, this task force called, uh, I don't know, something really pleasant and nice. I can't remember what it was. But they just, they basically became a fucking uh, kill 
kill crazy. They okay. they, had, they had murdering squads. They would line people up and execute them. Hmm. And uh, the first black mayor of Detroit ran on a uh, platform of getting rid of this police squad, and they won because everyone was like, yeah, they're fucking killing everyone. It's scary. Right. They were rolling down the streets in tanks, fucking pointing bayonets at children and shit like that. It was insane what they were doing. Mm-hmm. It was, and it's very depressing. And, st- and, then, and it's still going on in Detroit, and it's still going on in a lot of cities. Yeah, and it would uh, make sense. But I think that, that with all it. of this that's going on, and it's, you know, all this police brutality, you know, there's always been horrible police officers. Totally. There's always been good police officers. Yep. And there until we figure out a way to start getting rid of the bad cops, like, it's going to keep happening. And people keep covering up for them. And then I, you, there's a big conspiracy about police. There's no question about it. Well, what do you but think there is are the, good people out there trying to make it better. What is one of the conspiracies that you saw not come to fruition? You know, the conspiracies, for example, I mean... These aren't even conspiracies. There are there's multiple uh, true stories of cops planting evidence and well, yeah. doing very nefarious things. I mean, when it comes to and of course in Ferguson, you know Ferguson got 24 percent of their of the entire town's income was was done through police as, yeah, a, as an only, extension of the tax. And, what, and so only nine percent of their police officers are black, and then seventy percent of their of their population's black. You know, and, and, so and, it's just, and the wrong your, people are the cops. Right, and exactly. And to your point, they were also imported. These are cops who come to work eight hours a day and they go back and it happens here in New York City on a regular basis. A lot but of New the York's officers are Long Island or Staten Island. Yeah. So they come to New York, they do their job and they go back home on a ferry or whatever it might be and there's a disconnect between communities. What was one of the things that you saw that dispelled a, a rumor or a myth about the police? As far as in a negative context, we think about them just, con- we, all we do is see videos like Philando Castile um, I mean, it was so sad. I mean, we Facebook lived a murder. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, they Facebook lived a murder. I mean, it was so sad, so tragic. Elton Sterling. I, I mean, I, I mean, the name, the list just go on. Yeah, and on it's and a on. ridiculous fucking list. But what was one thing that you saw where you're like, okay, I understand the cops a little bit more now? Well, it's a fucking scary job, man. It's insane. Like, honestly, do you want to be a cop? I'm too tall. Would you, you know, like, who would, I've been like, told I'm too tall. It's like, who the fuck wants that job? And it's just like, when you're fighting, you know, 12 drug dealers a week, you're going to be on edge a little bit. Right. And so it takes, like, and these aren't really, you know, not to be a piece of shit, but these cops aren't really educated. Sure. You, you need a DE, uh, what's it called? A GED. GED, sure. You know, to become a cop. And so it's like, yeah, I wish that they all had uh, college educations, but that's not who's applying for the job. So you, so you kind of have to make do with what you got. Right. And there are going to be good cops, and then there's going to be fucking bad, crazy, uh, power-hungry cops. Well, you seem sympathetic to what they're going through, but every job is stressful. I worked at Arby's. I worked at Pizza Hut. I worked at Taco yeah, Bell. I worked at, I worked at Burger yeah, King. Yeah, but people and I was Taco fired Bell for eating it. Ex- I, I want to say I was fired for eating at every single job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a tough temptation. That's a lot like so, being a cop. Well, I'm resisting the temptation to eat, and I could not do it. If you're an officer, you're understanding well, you're what they're, they're going <laughs> through on a daily basis, but did you see anything that occurred where you were just like, wow, this is really an example of perfect policing, even well, they let everyone go. Everyone that we stopped, they let go. There was a guy drinking in public. Ah, bringing him in isn't going to solve any fucking problem. Get him home. Let's get this guy some help. We saw a guy getting a blowjob in a parking lot from a prostitute. Oh. Arresting him, like, what the fuck's the point? You know, send him home. Get out of here. Did you Stop- have... 
Is it illegal to suck your own cock in a park? Yeah. Uh, yes. And that's indecent exposure. Uh, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, it, yeah, it's definitely not allowed. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, an, it's illegal just to have it out. No, I'm yeah. going to stop trying that. <laughs> you know, it's just like uh, letting people go and with a slap on the wrist is really what we need to be doing more of. Right. Bringing everyone in through the jail system like they do here is fucking, it's a problem. Yeah. You can't, it's too full. It's too crazy. And then you make good people bad. Watch the night of. It's great. But like yeah. it's just, you know, you when you put someone through jail, they become a shithead because mm. they have to. Because once you go to jail, you have to be selfish and you have to become a bad person in order to fucking survive and not get your ass kicked every day. Yeah. And you eat more ramen than a college student. Um, that's all. They, they love ramen in prison, and, and rightfully so. It's good stuff. When it comes to the idea of, of they do, they uh, when it comes to the idea of making a criminal, you yeah. know this for like yeah, of if course. you're approached by a cop and for nothing we had on when we had on our a uh, wonderful friend Jim Polk mm-hmm. uh, you know he would talk about this regularly and um you when you when you're approached by an officer uh, you've, you've done nothing wrong a crime of resisting arrest theoretically they've just made a criminal Dude, right? You don't have. I mean, I you don't hate resisting Marcus? arrest. Resisting arrest is one of the worst things in the world, especially when that's your only crime. That doesn't make any fucking sense nope. to me. When you can arrest right. someone and bring him in for just resisting arrest, that's fucking horrible. That should not happen. It is a crime based off of opinion. It is just like it's. It's not a fact. Like I you stole something it, that you didn't steal. You know, resisting arrest is like if you just move the wrong way, they can say you're resisting arrest. Totally. The and flailing you, of the. And arms, then the yeah. other thing with New York laws are pretty crazy. You know, and they're getting better. De Blasio, in my opinion, is taking some of these stupid laws and getting rid of them, which I really appreciate. That's not true. But then, you know, you can get arrested for just standing on the sidewalk in New York. Did you know that? Just pedestrian blocking pedestrian traffic, they can arrest you. You know, so you basically can yeah. arrest anyone in this city at any time. There's a great book by an author, and I'm forgetting his name. It's called Three Felonies a Day or something like that. And basically, uh, Americans commit three felonies on a daily basis. There are so many laws. I believe it's... Um, Oh, it's I can't even say the number. It's massive the amount of laws that are in this nation. Basically, all of us are breaking the law at any given time with uh, you know unbeknownst to us. Did you ever see that happening when you were working with the uh, with the Boston Police Department? Um, did you see them do actively pursuing people? Um, be, just because they had to make an arrest that evening? No. They, they've they basically kind of gotten rid of quotas, and a lot of other places have gotten rid of quotas because quotas lead to people getting shot and people running from the cops and cops right. getting scared and making that wrong last-minute decision. Like, um, for example, Charleston has yeah. uh, has gotten rid of their quotas, and they have taken uh, traffic stops down 50% ever since Walter Scott was shot. Mm-hmm. They call it the Walter Scott effect, and they haven't had any problems since, and the, and the cops are getting a better relationship with the community in Charleston. Things yeah. are getting better there because Charleston's real fucked up racially because they're also that cocksucker roof. Uh, Dylan Roof, of yeah, course, who, who, was who, in prison right, who was in prison right next to mm-hmm. the officer uh, um, who, who, who murdered the man. Yeah, oh, and uh, he got his ass kicked. Uh, Dylan Roof did. Dylan Roof yeah, got believe it or not, they don't like him too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm stunned by that. But it, going back to resisting arrest yes, real quick, I just sure. want to make one more point. Bratton, uh, New York's... Bill uh, Bratton. Bill Bratton, New York's com- police commissioner. He's now, he's resigning, he's moving he's on. He's resigning? He's, th- going, he's going to work with Hillary Clinton, yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's scary. All right, yeah. so uh, he... He used to, he tried to make resisting arrest a felony, mm-hmm. which basically, I mean, they're still trying to do it. It's yep. still, it works to do it. And this is such a flawed thing yep. because basically, uh, I forget what it is, but it's like 70 or 80% of the people arrested for resisting arrest are either Hispanic or black. Totally. And so basically, if you make that a felony, then they can't vote. And then all, then you're wiping out the Hispanic and black vote. Totally. In, in the city. And it's just something that cannot happen. 
Yeah, and we've seen, you know, we had uh, Dr. Robert Fetrakis on the last episode discussing election theft and and discussing how uh, in in 2000, for example, it was uh, Catherine Harris. She purged 94,000 black votes. She called them all felons. None of them were, literally none of them were of the 94,000 that were purged. It happens on a regular basis, systemic racism, uh, allowing people to maintain power. Um, There is no denying that making... uh, Resisting arrest of felony would be atrocious and awful and one of the worst things that a police department could possibly do. Um, and one I think the, Bill de Blasio is no is no saint and no hero, certainly, when it comes to these things. Getting, getting Bill Bratton on board from Boston, by the way. Yeah, he was he taught was by the, Evans, the guy who, who was our golden boy in the special, who's a sweetheart. But. Let's talk about him in a second. When uh, when Bill Bratton, Bill Bratton was the one who invented stop and frisk. You know, that which again, like we were just talking about, making a criminal, stop and frisk is the definition of it because you can stop anyone randomly and whatever you find on that person, if you stopped me 10 out of 10 times, you're finding a Bud Light in my pocket. That's legal unless it's open. But one out of 10 times, you're probably going to find a little weed too. Yeah. Um, so but that's only a ticket here. That's only a ticket here. Now, and I will give de Blasio some credit on that, although you could argue that the quality of life has gone down a bit in the, in the uh, city. But when it comes to this new police chief in Boston, he is an interesting character. We watched the rough cut of the show, like we said earlier. Yeah. And my God, doesn't he steal the show? He's a compassionate dude. He's a, you know he's really big on uh, gun control. He went to Obama, him and Obama are buddies. They he went to his big uh, gun thing and uh, that PBS special he did. He was in the audience for that and recognized there for how much guns they're getting off the street. And you know there's they just like it's very big on gun control there and it's very big on community policing. Right. And I I can't I I am so he brainwashed me on this community policing thing it's just oh. it to me it's, it makes complete sense on where and what we should be doing I mean, it well, sounds like what cops are are or what cops were what they're supposed to be yeah like yeah. the new yeah, it's with the norman rockwell thing the annie griffin yeah. thing was i live in this town i want to protect it yeah you yeah. know that's why uh wayne dickey the the jail administrator from our jail special he's like i live here i don't, I don't want these guys going back out and and not being uh not being uh what's it called rehabilitated rehabilitated you know so, and that's the interesting thing, especially when it comes to gun control. A lot of these people who would be, we presume them to be super conservative. We would assume that they are pro-NRA. A lot of the people who are in the police force are not pro-NRA. No. They are because they realize they get the mili- shot. Well, they get shot. <laughs> and, we, and we've talked about this. We, we talked about it on our episode, the militarization of police, which uh, was a response to the Dallas shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's happened is, is uh, our society, we have more guns than people. Uh, and, uh, and the officers, obviously, again, through programs like the 10th program, like when Nixon started the war on drugs, that all began the militarization of the police, and then we have the uh, we have the NRA, which is equating, uh, which is uh, which is giving us a militarized society. How are these cops dealing with the fact that the they are going into places they don't know if someone has an Uzi? I mean, cops in New York until 1992, they basically carried a six shooter, mm-hmm. and then they realized they better change to the Glock because they were coming upon semi-automatic rifle uh, weapons on a on a regular basis. So that's when they had to escalate. So yeah. when it, when it comes to these cops, well, you do, never know. If you if, would you say that police, just totally generally, what is your opinion? Do you think that police are more prone to be against the proliferation of guns or for it? Uh, I feel like most cops would uh, would own a gun if they weren't cops, you know, and they would always just have a gun right. anyway. And I think all cops would agree just because the, their friends get shot uh, that there's there need to be stricter gun laws. Yes, like they don't think anyone really rationally to me. I don't think people are 
against guns, especially cops. Like, totally. I feel like you, we do have our right to own guns, but it definitely needs to be policed a little more. We definitely need yeah. stricter gun laws. We definitely need to, you know, register our guns more. Like, we need to go in and, like, it should be like emissions for your car. You know, once a year you go in, you, you show it to someone, you, they can see you haven't modified it. You know, you bring yeah. your gun in, you still, like, all right, you make sure you still have your gun, you know, shit like that. Yeah, gotta go to the gun guy. Yeah, exactly. Gotta go to the gun guy. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's January. I always go to the gun guy every January. Yeah, and you get your, and you get your maintained, <laughs> and it's like you take lessons and they yeah, give you a, 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 they give you a say, vision test for Christ's sake. A department of guns. I'm going to yeah. say though, the criminal who wants to use a gun isn't going to go and register it every single year. Yeah. And then if you, you want to go shoot, if you, you want to go his ass to the wall when you catch him, you know, like that, then you like have some to, sort of butterfly. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. And so you got to like the people who are using illegal guns, you got to fucking take it down. The, you got to take the hammer down on them. Yeah. If you, re- if you have a better idea of like wh- what kind of guns you have out there, you have a an easier time finding the guns that aren't supposed to be out there. Well, you have the situation like Fast and the Furious, which was uh, catapulted under uh, under Eric uh, under uh, 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 Eric Holder. Eric Holder. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the terrible idea of sending uh, guns into Mexico to then theoretically find the drug cartels and uh, to, to to trace them and see who owned them and then arrest them. Yeah, but we're not talking about sending guns to Mexico. We're talking about but, Joe lives over on Main Street, going up to the Department of Guns and saying, "Hey, look, I got a gun." Well, yeah, I mean, right. it's it's too easy but, right now. You know how Dylan Roof got his gun, right? Did you? hear about this no i did not all right dylan roof got uh went and applied to get a gun he wanted his own handgun they're like you have to wait two weeks his his stepdad went and got the gun for him it was a straw sale and then gave it to him and then legally that's just legal yeah, I mean, they, they, you could just buy a gun for someone and hand it to them. They're called straw sales. I mean, they happen on a regular basis at gun shows and things like that. Convicted felons, for example, will just be in the parking lot, be like, "This is the gun I want. It costs two uh, two thousand five hundred bucks. I'm giving you three grand. You got a five hundred buck bonus. Give me that gun and give it to me, and, and boom, it's a it's a legal transaction. It's a massive gray area. It's a it's the it's the loophole. It's one of those gun show. It's one of those gun law loopholes that that manifest themselves in gun shows. Yeah, but if it, on the other hand, if say that guy had to register that gun again in a year and he wasn't able to reproduce that gun. Because he or, gave it to a registered psychopath. Yeah, or he gave it yeah. to a registered psychopath and wasn't able to produce, like, say, a police report telling someone, like, yes, my gun was stolen, so I do not ha- have right. a, and the ability. That would be a way to get rid of straw sales. But then lock also, that fucker up. We also have, I don't want to see anyone locked up. We also have the situation. No, where- lock the gun up. Lock the gun up. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a better point. Guns yeah. should be in prison, not people. No. Well, how do you enforce uh, that- it though? <laughs> how do you, if someone gives well, away their gun, how do you enforce it? You got to exactly. You know, so it's it's a massive, uh, it, it's a huge issue. But when it comes down to the idea of a global government, when it comes down to uh, you know government overreach, when it comes down to the Fourth Amendment, right for search and seizure, and the Second Amendment, I mean, those go right hand in hand. The right to bear arms and uh, and the right to not have uh, you know uh, you know search and seizure, the freedom of speech. A lot of people in the pro gun movement argue without the Second Amendment, both of those things are moot. You don't have freedom of speech and you don't have the right to protect yourself against illegal search and seizure if you don't have the ability to protect yourself. So that's really the fine line that a lot of that that that's what we're talking about in this nation yeah. right now. I mean, you have a situation like Australia, which is completely, uh, you know, it's been unarmed since the mid '90s, ever since a mass shooting occurred. I well, think they got Martin rid of assault Brown. rifles, but they still have regular guns. They have, yeah, they have like regular guns, yeah, which are you know, really all you need and stuff and shotguns and, and things stuff for like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so we live in a nation now again, like we've talked about with military 
militarize that, uh, cops and a militarized society, who do you think balks first? I mean, who blinks first? So it seems like in Boston, the cops are making a, uh, a, a gesture. They're extending an olive branch and doing this community placing and allowing people to be like, hey, let's not hate all the cops. But when it comes down to the larger national issue, Eddie, I mean, you've owned firearms, Marcus. All of your family owns firearms. Yeah. What yeah. What does that look like if they would be attempted to take, if they were taken away? Well, now that I'm older and I've learned, I would voluntarily have given up my AK, you know, after seeing all these fucking <laughs> horrible shit. But yeah, we shouldn't, I don't think people should own them. And this is coming from someone who bought one, you know? Right. So it's just, you know, yeah, AK-47s, AR-15s, there's no reason for uh, a normal citizen to own them. And if they want to start a militia, they should just join a militia or just join the fucking army, you know. That's the big militia. Yeah, yeah so just do that. Um, uh, going back to the one thing, uh, one of the things I did learn that I wanted to bring up before we uh, get out of here is uh, one of the. the greatest... oh, we're not even close to being done. Oh, good. Well, I, I've, I've learned. Uh, I learned the, one of the things. There's a cop. He said it stuck with me so hard. He said we have one second, half a second to make a decision. Everyone else in this country at their job, they have hours, days, months right. even to nitpick and like try to finesse their decision and make the best possible decision. You know, so when you have one second to make a decision, it's not always going to be right. And not to like sound like the bad guy here, but the amount of people who are killed in this country versus the amount of arrests and the situations that cops are put in, mm -hmm. it really isn't to me that big of a number. When you're dealing with the crazy amount of guns that are on the street mm -hmm. and people and uneducated people, I mean, it goes the it stems further than cops, of course. It goes to right. education and what people are learning and and you know just like the general nature of poor people who are trying to survive. You know, it's it's a fucking mess all the way up and down the whole from school to the press to everywhere. You know, it's it, totally I, and. The truth is that since we have started monitoring this, things are getting a little bit better. Sure, they're yeah. completely fucked up, and these stories are awful. Alton Sterling is awful, you know. But then, you know, they when they killed the two cops in Baton Rouge, you know, that's also awful. And of course, New York, they also we also had uh, many incidents. So it was uh, Liang and uh, well, there's another officer killed, and I'm yeah. blanking on their names right now, unfortunately. Yeah, but they yeah uh, they were executed right after. Yeah. Uh, 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 Fred, I believe, I believe it was name? a Walter Brown situation, or it might have been, um, or uh, Michael Brown. No, I think it wasn't it, Michael Brown. There's was, so many. Anyway. It's a Staten Island guy. I can't even keep track of all this shit anymore. It's so depressing, dude. Right. I heard, you ever hear of Natasha McKenna? This is the saddest story I heard when I was going through all this shit, other than Ayanna Jones, the seven-year-old who got shot on her couch watching television. Uh, but uh, Natasha McKenna had a, a bit of a violent past. Uh, she had a warrant out for her arrest because uh, she shoved a police officer at one point, and I don't know how she got away from that situation, but there was a warrant out for arrest, and she was having mental problems, and she was getting suicidal, and she didn't know what to do, and she was scared for her life, so she called the police because she didn't know what to do. And then when the cops grabbed her, uh, came and got her, they threw her in a straitjacket, and they they stripped her naked, and they threw her in a padded room, and they fucking had her in a straitjacket, and then pulled her out, took the straitjacket off, pulled her out naked when she was crying. She's like, you promised you would never kill me. I promised you would never kill me. And then they tased her to the taser, and they tasered her, and then her heart stopped, but she died naked in the middle of a fucking jail. Mm -hmm. And so, like, to me, what is this saying to... This is a person who was in crisis, who right. reached out to the police for help, right. and then they showed up, and they killed her. 
And that and that plays into you know, the question so I wanted like to ask. What, it's like yeah. what you know what are we teaching people? Well, and making plays, people scared to call the cops for help, and that's the, the totally. reason they're there. Um, but that plays into the uh, my next question. Are cops asked, and this is what a lot of, Bill Bratton has said such, uh, there was a guy, his name is uh, Clark, he's out of, he's the sheriff out of uh, Milwaukee, I mean, you know, I think he's on television far too much, not doing his job nearly enough, and Milwaukee is burning down, uh, he's a black fella, uh, uh, Sheriff Clark out there, uh, but they do talk about often how cops have been given too many responsibilities. I agree with you that know, completely. Um, you know, with the, you know, Marcus, you live right outside of a homeless shelter. Uh, you know, shelters have been shut down. Cops are forced to be uh, the law, and they're also supposed to be people's parents. And to some degree, they're supposed to go in there and talk people down. They're supp- I mean, the they amount of emotional be, have- stress of being an officer is a bit out of their pay grade. A psychologist couldn't deal with a lot of these individuals, let alone somebody in blue who's just out there working, in a, working a beat. So do you think, and did the cops express to you just sheer exhaustion over their role in society. For example, this woman that died, I mean, that that story is horrific and extremely sad. Why wasn't there a number other than 911 for her to call? Yeah. Why wasn't there a 411 where you could be like, you have a mental problem right now? Okay, let's deal with this. You know, we have suicide hotlines. We have these privatized uh, organizations. We have 311 here in New York City um, that, th- that would theoretically deal with a situation like that better. But why is 911 the number that she chose to call? And, and this is, again, not victim-blaming whatsoever. I mean, that is so sad and so yeah. tragic. But cops are doing so much. And these are not people... Who, like again, like you mentioned, they have GEDs, many of them, and many of them, and, and there's no diss in having a GED. That's a great thing. Uh, you know, that's wonderful to have. But it's like, um, are they just, do they express to you just exhaustion and just like, I don't know how to deal with certain situations that they have put me into? Well, the biggest problem, the hardest situations they said are domestic disputes. You know, because that's when the things are so more emotionally charged than usual. You don't know who's got a gun. You don't know what's happened before you got there. You know, so they right. said that's always the scariest ones to go through, or domestic disputes, because they people are you know will fight a cop when they try to remove their children from them. You know, so sure. it's like it's you know, and, and that's a, I mean, we did foster care when I was growing up, and. I'll never forget, uh, I went to my, uh, my Michael, my younger foster brother, who is now in his mid-20s, which is insane. I can't believe how old we've all become. But uh, I went to visit the home that he was uh, you know, raised in, and he was living in a refrigerator blo- uh, box. It was absolutely disgusting. The whole thing was, uh, you know, it was like a... Um, uh, it was like a heavy metal concert had occurred uh, with the amount of smoke and booze all around. And um, th- that was the cop's job to go in there and take these kids... And I do remember thinking as a 12-year-old, like, you're, what, you have to have sympathy towards the child, but you're also doing something extremely emotionally distressed. You are, you are causing extreme emotional distress in that child's life. You are plucking them from the most natural environment that any human being could have, which is the grasp of their mother. And then for the rest of their, and the rest of their life, that kid's going to fucking hate cops. You know, and so that's sure. also like one of the main problems with this is people just naturally hate cops because they're the ones who come and remove you from your family. They're right. the ones who, you know, they're the ones who arrest your dad because he stole something. They're the one who comes right. and takes daddy in the way from the middle of the night. You know, so it's it's 
it's a thankless job, man. Right. So now you've done the jail special. You've done the cop special. You're really seeing both sides of these issues. I mean, I think you're you you've learned so much, and uh, and I love mining your brain um, for the information that you have because you're you're tangible. You're 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 like I am. You're an emotional learner. It's fucking depressing. Um, man. Yeah. What would be one of the takeaways or the main takeaway that you've seen from the jail special and the police special? Like, what would be one of the things, I mean, that, that you believe should be changed? I mean, now that I think about it, I mean, I feel like we need to break up. The cops need to not have as many responsibilities. I think we need to isolate what they do. They can't be the extension of the tax, and they also shouldn't be dealing, also shouldn't be dealing with people with mental health pro- uh, problems. I mean, well, there's no way but, to stop that. I mean, people with mental health problems are going to be committing crimes forever. Well, that's a very good point. So what have you learned from the jail special and the, and, the, uh, and the cop special? What is one thing that you've taken away be like, this country should probably, you know, adapt a new policy and in, in what direction do you think that policy should go? And what do you think are some of the major issues? Drug abuse and, mental, and the mentally ill need more help. We're not helping these people enough and they're making bad decisions. And a lot of times when we should be putting them through rehab, uh, whether it's just emotional rehab or uh, drug rehab or putting them in jail. And right. and jails have become the largest mental institutions uh, in this in this country. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because Ronald Reagan shut down a lot of hundred thousand our... beds. Yeah, and then all those people became homeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So you're taking somebody who is. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, but I mean I, that was I, exactly I, what I was going to say. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> you knew where I was going with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what, but we did get that great documentary, Cropsy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That, was, that was wonderful. <laughs> that was so worth it. And so basically, yeah. So there's and when Reagan did that, five hundred thousand crazy. People became homeless, mm-hmm. and they resorted and they re- resorted to crime to what make money. And you yeah. know, and so they're and we need to be taken care of. I know a lot of people aren't against uh, welfare and all that, but uh, you know, fuck it. It's better than uh, would, you, would you rather someone be homeless or would you rather someone be taken care of? You know, it's where do you want? And it doesn't. Well, cost I think that they want a money. job. I think the majority of people on welfare want a job. I mean, there's 40 million people out of work right now. If you look at the yeah. unemployment numbers right now, they say it's under five percent, roughly 4.9. But they don't take into account the million. Literally 40 million people who aren't looking for work. They're officially off the numbers. Yeah. All that. I think people want jobs. And those jobs aren't coming anytime soon. As a matter of fact, less, less jobs are going to be happening on a regular basis. Google just started their driverless car campaign. That's going to wipe out Uber and Lyft drivers. It's going to wipe out. Um, it's going to wipe out the taxi industry. It's going to it's going to wipe out uh, you know truck drivers and and, uh, and bus drivers. I mean, every single job is going to be automated. So that is going to be one of these major questions that we have. Do we just finance people and give them a mild living wage, twenty five grand a year, thirty grand a year, whatever it might be, or to stop house. them from being homeless? Yeah. Or I mean, or can we find a way that we can actually get people back to work? But I don't care what I don't care what it is, but it's it's fucked up, and especially the way we treat people in jail. Uh, yeah. When you're when you go to jail and you're away for many years, and then you're finally released, you are penniless and homeless usually. Right. And you're dropped off at the Port Authority, and they're like, figure it out. Well, the only way you know to figure it out is to fucking rob somebody. You know, so it's just like a vicious cycle. But if they're in jail and they have a job in jail, like laundry or they work in the kitchen, fucking give them minimum wage, take money out for their lodging. And so Mm -hmm. when they leave jail, 
they have money behind them, so they're not going to resort to crime, and they'll be able to get an apartment, yeah. and they'll be able to fucking... Because you're using we, them for products anyway and providing a service, so why not fucking pay them? When you were talking to the cops, did they have any reservation? Did they have any guilt over tearing families apart? Did they have any sort of like understanding? Oh, it, they hate it, man. You think they like it? It makes them insane. They go home and cry half the time they work. So you they know? understand what's happening. Yeah, they know, man. It's fucking depressing. But, you know, you, you see sad shit and you got to, you know, it's their job to try and fix it. And there isn't fixing many situations, you know, as I'm, I'm sure as anyone listening and I know people in my family are fucked up and, you know, they shouldn't, you know, necessarily be parents. But, you know, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to fucking take the kids away and then put them in through foster care? It's like it, the whole thing's a vicious cycle. Right. You know, so it's just. It's, it's, I've just become defeated and depressed these past two years <laughs> <laughs> learning about the prison system and well, the, you gotta and learn the police to- system. But it's just like, I don't know exactly how to fix it, but I think we are making strides. Uh, yeah. I love that. What I love what de Blasio is doing about making every cop for every year that they're police officer go through de escalation training for three days, get paid for it. That's now a law in New York. That's what I mean, they I think do. it's all, it's, it's total symbolic horseshit. I that think it's great. Not, that's not, law, law's Why is that bad? Because they're not going to learn anything in those three days. It's a glorified vacation. They're just going to hang out with each other. That that's just classic that's being liberal, negative. How that's is classic liberal to, bullshit. Uh, they're no, throwing money at him. I mean, and it's Ed, Ed, if the name De Blasio is attached to it or the name Clinton's attached to it, Ben's going to poo poo it no matter what. No, yeah, well, it's just not a good I idea mean, the because these is, cops are going on a three day vacation. And they're not, they're not going come on back vacation. They're going to class. They it's hate about, that shit. They'd build, rather be in the street. No, you think they want to sit there and watch videos about how to be nice? This is classic. This is yeah, I actually do. This is classic liberal horse shit. It is a symbolic So you're gesture. saying don't Bill teach Bratton, the escalation. Bill Bratton was don't one of the most Don't teach the escalation to cops. Ray Kelly, Bill Bratton. That's a great two, idea, ben. Bill Bratton, Ray Kelly are two of the you're most wrong. conservative police chiefs in the in the nation. I'm with that. I'm, I'm with that. That's fine. You can, be, you can be with that on anything. Totally Bill de Blasio wrong. is the reason that every single homeless shelter, many of the mental institutions have been shut down. Yeah. Bill Bill de Blasio is the reason that we have stop and frisk continuation of, uh, of um, he didn't of start Giuliani. it. No, but he has done nothing to curb it, nothing to stop it. You can argue that told under you one Bill de Blasio. No, but that's that's not a real thing. Yes, it is. You send cops on a three-day vacation it's to Hampton It's not a vacation. It's work. They sit, it's not, well, it's, it's school. not as hard as their actual It's like job. going to driving school. And like they're learning. You know, I mean, it, that is Why ridiculous. Would it do? You're being negative. You gotta, you I'm know, not being negative. You are being extremely negative. Bill de Blasio is horrific. <laughs> He's awful. Yeah, the but city just, has but, never been worse. Yeah, but just because you don't agree with everything that he does doesn't mean that everything he does is wrong. Yeah, three days. Made, oh my. No. Three fucking days of de-escalation training. Every Those cops year. are just going to work. They're going to come back and be more pissed off than ever. It's the exact same thing no, that universities not. do when it comes to political correctness training. This is how you talk. This is how you're supposed to think. It's horseshit. So you don't think you're, they it's, should be learning how to de-escalate situations? The laws have people. to change. The no, laws they, have to oh, change. come on. That's that is a change. law that changed. No, that's not. No, that was a mandatory law that did not change. They created it. The liberals just yeah. nonstop creating new and new and new Horseshit laws. I think it's, great. it's loopholes. It's nonsense. It's a symbolic gesture that he can go home and sleep on, but it is not making one bit of difference. It is making difference. No, What's the last time an unarmed person was killed in New York? The laws have not changed.
And as soon as the laws changed. Kai Gurley was the last one that got shot and killed an unarmed person in New York, correct? Thank God. Yeah, and, and that was a year and a half. And you know what? They started a year ago, de-escalation training for all the cops. They also have because cameras. Because in the, in they the also, academy, they also have let's talk, only talk for two seconds. In the, fucking, seconds. in the academy, they're giving 80 hours of firearms training and eight hours of de-escalation training. That is extremely skewed. I completely agree. We have to take the British model over when it comes to that. I mean, but that, that is That's an entire- the point. That is an entirely different argument. Than no, having, it's the same argument. They need more de-escalation training, so he's giving it to them. They do have to have it. I'm just saying the laws have to change, and we still have Bill Brennan and the next uh, police commissioner coming through. It's going to be just as hawkish as Bill Brennan. Stop and frisk will continue. So Who's you, it going to be? I don't. I'm, we're not quite sure yet. Oh, so um, you're just assuming. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's not changing. The NYPD, I mean, the NYPD has a, ma- it's, it's a totally another thing because they are a global I task force against terrorism. I think the way you're terrorism. acting right now is just going to continue the hate on cops and continue the way that we're never going to get uh, ahead. You have to have some kind of fucking I agree. optimism. You have to have a little bit of optimism or it's not going to work at all. If you don't, if you don't, if you're upset when people try to make things better, things aren't going to get better. It's just not going to make things better. You're gonna. You have to try. Uh, you do have to try. But De Blasio is a total fraud, and everything he's done is a symbolic gesture. And uh, if you look at the policies that have been under Bill De Blasio, they're just as hawkish as uh, as Giuliani. I mean, everything is the exact same. So it's it's a horseshit idea. But whatever. He's been good at getting rid of our homeless. No, he hasn't been good at get, getting rid of our fucking homeless. Are you insane? He's good at shutting down homeless institutions. That's why they're all over the goddamn subways and all over the streets. He sent them all to Boston. <laughs> he did. He put. He sent two thousand homeless people to Boston, oh, and he has this other program where he's. Uh, he's. I, I kind of like what he's doing with the homeless. He gives them money to if they can prove they have a family that's going to let them come in. He's been sending people back home instead of being homeless here. He pays for them to go back to Houston, which was Bloomberg's plan uh, number one. And he's doing it. I don't. Okay. It's good. It's fine. He's a one term or he's gone. Um, although I don't know who's going to replace his ass. I don't know. know. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't think you should shit on every single thing that he does. Just de Blasio. I mean, I, don't, I think. I'll it, shit on it. Yeah, but I still don't think that's a good idea. Like it just doesn't work. That's binary thinking, and binary thinking never works. No, I understand. I'm just saying the three hours of police training that they're going to get once a year, or the three days of police training they're going to get I once mean, a year, is going to have such a it's small. Twenty four hours. I mean, a small effect. Twenty four hours. Benefit saves one life, and it's fucking worth it. Right. Absolutely. Well, it's a lot of right. tax dollars going for a lot of vacation time for cops but it's not vacation time they're at work yeah they're doing a job that i want them to do now they're having continental breakfast and talking about their- they're having the same shit they have every fucking day continental breakfast what do you think what do you think they're sending them to aruba for this i think they're sending they're- them to a hamptons inn in philly no they're going Jesus downtown fucking- like they're going to a conference room in fucking queens man yeah well queens I is mean- a nice part of the town um, all right, so what what is wrong with you? Your, your, your negativity drives me insane. I'm not negative. I'm very positive. I think the future is bright. Um, you all just right. said it's the worst time ever for this country. It is. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be even worse when Hillary is elected. But what can you do? Because she's the only candidate that uh, that is, she's better than Trump, and there's no denying it. Um, um, but uh, Jill Stein, uh, Gary Johnson. But we're not going to. We already had a fight at a bar previously, which is this is a, this has become a fun extension of that fight. I love my girl. Gary Johnson could win Utah and New Mexico just just to uh, argue with you, Marcus. I guess he's the best guy. <laughs> I'm going to be out there September 10th supporting Gary Johnson. I'm going to be I'm going to be doing the big rally for him. Uh, it'll be very exciting. Come more out importantly, watch September 10th is when Jeff Ross Rose Cops comes out at yes. 11 p.m. and then they're running it exactly again at midnight, two times in a row. That's very true. Yeah. Also, and they also gave us uh, eight extra minutes. Which is really oh. cool. Uh, they usually, uh, the specials are 42 minutes. They let ours be 50. 
Cool. And, and, uh, and rightfully so. I mean, what you're doing, Eddie, is so important. The jail special, the comp special, I can't wait to hear uh, what the next uh, roast will be. You've transcended the entire art form. What you and Jeff are doing is really influential and, and massively important. And thank you so much for it because we have to humanize these people so then we can you know, start coming up with policies that are rational, reasonable, and, uh, and, and loving. And uh, and that's what we and that's and it begins with humanizing. And again, like you mentioned earlier, when it comes to roast, that's what they do, and that's what you and Jeff have done so so well. Keep so, it positive. Keep it positive. That's what I, that's our that's our mantra. You know, you can be as mean to anyone as you want, as long as you're nice to them later. Right. You know, you, the meanest guys on stage are always the nicest off, and that's why Jeff's a complete sweetheart. All right. So Marcus, you love me the most. You. I think All technically right, well, he has to. No, he does. <laughs> yeah. Poor bastard. It ain't right. Um, all right, find Eddie. Uh, find Eddie on Twitter at Eddie Tunes. Uh, find him on Instagram. Are you doing that Instagram? I'm not good with it. I love it. Instagram. I think Instagram's what I'm best at, which is you know because I, I like looking at pictures. Yeah, and, that, uh, that's what I'm best at too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but yeah, uh, please also uh, listen to the brighter side yep. if you get a chance. We we're still kick we're still kicking on uh, Cave Comedy Radio, and also um, the Murderfish Show is also on September 10th, 9:30 p.m. at the Pit. It is our last. Uh, run of the Murderfish show. Huh. Is it really? It's our last one. But, then uh, we're going to do one more show at Sketchfest, and then we're going to kind of uh, take it easy for a year or so. All right, we'll have a little... So uh, if you want to catch Murderfish, this is going to be one of your last chances, September 10th, 9.30 at the Pit. All right, relax a little bit with that. Well, the day before the uh, 15th anniversary of 9-11. Oh, man. Hmm. When was that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks, Instagram at Marcus Parks. I'm on Twitter at Ben Kissel. And, the uh, real crime in 9-11 is never forget used to belong to elephants. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, find us, go to the Facebook group. Be nice to each other in this fucking Facebook group, man. I'm getting so many messages, people being rude. Just be nice to each other. It's it doesn't political. Matter. It gets heated. I mean, we just yelled at each other, I love you. Oh, I, it's fine. I don't, I don't feel you gotta anything. You got to say it back, Ben. What's that? I said I love you. You got to say it back. Mm, I love you, too. Thank you. Um, all right, so the... <laughs> <laughs> the Facebook page, uh, check it out. You know, go there. But yeah, please. I mean, be nice. I know politics do get heated, but I, I think that we're we're above being angry because if we learned anything from our Robert Fatrakis uh, episode. You know, it'll all be stolen from us anyway. I think it's okay to yell a little bit as you long as yell. you're passionate and then you you listen eventually. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, even if you're just dead wrong about it. But maybe people think I'm wrong too. I a do. lot of people do. Yeah. Most of the people on this show think you're wrong. So. Yeah, well, that's why I'm, I'm a pillar of strength. So I'm a pillar of strength and knowledge and information. It's not right being the Alex Jones of the show, you know. <laughs> you shouldn't compare yourself to. No, I hate Alex. I'm not one with Alex Jones. All right, everyone. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, 
we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.